0: shit 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 show It's a fucking shit show. shit show welcome back to shit show Saturday, and today we are joined by a real shit show. She was just talking about doing um meth in an airplane. Welcome Erin <laughs> Happy to be here <laughs> yeah, um, was that the only was that just a one time? Were there other times that you did drugs on airplanes?
1: Oh, um not on the airplane, but definitely like before and after there the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right, where you get really drunk. I mean, that's what, you know, happens in airports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The memories.
0: I only did it a couple of times because I was so young. But once I got a fake ID, I would. Mm-hmm. But not
1: on the plane. I was afraid that they would take my ID on the plane. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is like I didn't drink or do drugs until after I was 21. So I never really got to experience that whole underage fake ID. I used the fake ideas to get into dance clubs. Like uh-huh. that's what I was into and didn't use? No. So my parents were drug addicts and I was like, I will never fucking be my parents. A hundred percent. I was even um, like 16 or 17 years old and I put on an event for teenagers where I was going to teach them to meditate instead of doing that. (laughs) Uh Did you? Yeah. I didn't have very many people come, but. No. Yeah. That sounds kind of fucking lame. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was later. Um, it was when I met like a group of people that had made a lot of money in the internet boom kind of time. And they were into raves and ecstasy and electronic music. And I had gotten out. I had like just survived a domestic violence relationship. And I kind of was feeling like nihilist, like, mm, it doesn't What's matter. Point? So that's hearted, you know, experimenting.
0: Okay. So what song do you want to play when you walk into a room?
1: Oh, um, what song do I want played? I love fight song. Do What's you know fight that? song? It's, um, I think her name is something patent. It's like, this is my fight song. Okay. My life song. my life song. Do you know that one? Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to judge you for picking that. <laughs> Favorite
1: carb. Oh, God. Okay, so if I... Let's
0: take all the... For the next few questions, let's take all the, you know, intolerances. Like, there's no rules. Like, I live in a yeah.
1: universe with no rules.
0: No I've- rules, and you're not impacted. Like, you you can eat a a million donuts, and you feel perfectly okay. Like, that's the world that we're living in right now. It is
1: a toss-up between pizza and macaroni and cheese, but uh-huh. the macaroni and cheese has to have ketchup on it. Which is basically pizza, really.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that
1: you use ke- uh, ketchup with the mac and cheese. Yes. Um, yeah. Cheese. Okay. So I think it's a triple creme brie for sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. Condiment. Um, It's probably ranch. Definitely. Do you have a brand
0: that you like the best?
1: Mm, I like, I don't know what the brand is, but it's when you go to a restaurant and you're like, oh, that's some of that like mix shit. Like there's this. I don't know what it is, but it's so good. And yeah, I know not good for you,
0: not good for you, but good for the soul. (laughs) So good, good for the soul. Um, okay. So when did you learn that you were an adult child?
1: Um, I really don't know. Like I think somebody, so I grew up around 12 steps because my dad got sober for the first time when I was four and he was in NA and then I went to al-anon in 2012 when i realized my mom was an alcoholic were they married no they divorced when i was two somewhere along the road somebody mentioned the phrase adult child and i kind of clung to that i was like i'm an adult child like i had made up my own definition definition. Uh and then during the pandemic somehow i stumbled on the laundry list on it probably internet search one night and i was like oh my god I'm all that's all me a hundred percent. Um, and then I, yeah, I looked up a meeting, found some online meetings, started going. I bawled my eyes out in my first meeting, and um, it was really dark for a couple months, it was pretty bad. Then I found your podcast, and that was relieving because you bring like the humor to it. There's not a lot of humor in the and ACA. No.
0: So what was your adult child bottom?
1: Well, I think it started when I gave birth to my first child Mm -hmm. um, because I was holding like this little, beautiful, amazing, precious soul. And all of a sudden I realized that my mom held Mm. this precious soul and my dad held me and they fucking did drugs and they drank. Like people were snorting lines of cocaine off the coffee table when I was two years old. And rubbing it in my gums. Yeah. So I just, like, I just had this moment in postpartum where I realized the depth of what my parents chose, Mm. like what they chose over me. And um, it was heartbreaking. Both my parents are dead. So my mom passed away 10 days before I got pregnant Wow. suddenly. And my dad had passed away the year prior. Um, So I think that started it and I didn't really pay attention. I just kind of was like Mm -hmm. white knuckled through that grieving and fell in love with my child. And then I got pregnant again and the pandemic hit and our town almost burnt down kind of all at the same time. And I had this moment where I was lying in my bed and my town was burning and I could literally see it burning out my window but because of where we lived we weren't evacuated wasn't going to be safe to get on the road so we stayed um but we're rural so we don't have landlines out here and mm-hmm. our cell phones weren't working and i was like what are the like cops going to do come like with a blowhorn and tell me to evacuate so i laid in bed that night with like every muscle in my body like ready to fly And, um, for the next week we had no power, no water. And the smoke was like purple, like hazardous. Like you die if you go outside. And, um, I went through the mental process of what, what would I have to do to my children? If like, I don't know, it was like this, like, what if the smoke took us over? And I went through the whole, like, what am I going to do to save my children? And the thoughts were really, really bad really dark and it was after that that I was like I'm I'm fucked up I'm really fucked up um and just through parenting like realizing my control stuff how like I would control everyone and try to control every single situation and have this husband who's like so patient and so kind and really adaptable So he was never like bothered by my controlling things, but I was, I was like, this is eating me alive. And the pandemic just kind of made me question everything about my whole life.
0: I think that that's such a common experience for people. Like what you said, like holding, I feel like I've heard that so many times of just holding your child and then realizing what you didn't get. Yeah. So when you made the comment about, them putting Coke in your gums. Were you told this or you
1: remember this? I remember this. I remember it. I remember people in the living room, you know, they're having a party. It's the, I was born in 77. So it's late seventies and, um, they're doing lines. And I remember, I remember the moment that I realized too, that it, that wasn't normal. And it was kind of in that same time period. So I'm like age two to four. Um, and yeah, I remember my mom, I think it was my mom could have been somebody else, but I remember them rubbing my gums with the excess cocaine. What was the moment that you realized that this was not normal? It had something to do with being at someone else's house and kind of seeing Mm -hmm. like what was going on at their house compared to what was going on at my house. It maybe had some correlation too, with when my dad, Cause my dad got sober when I was four. And, and did he, he remain sober? He didn't. He, he remained working a program, but he relapsed. Um, but he made amends to me when I was four years old and told me he was a drug addict. Oh, that's, so, yeah. I'm I sure, sure I that was, was like,
0: sponsor recommended. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that like, that must've had a lot to do with it. Like, Oh, so what, everything that's happening at home is like not okay. And, dad's trying to get better, but then I really hated the 12 step program because it was like, my dad would come and go from my life. It's like, he'd come back and he'd make amends and then he'd relapse. And I wouldn't see him for a month to a couple of years mm. and he'd come back and he'd make amends. And he was always a fucking asshole. So it wasn't like recovery ever made him a better person, but it was just really like ping pongy for me. So It took me um, finding ACA to finally be like, oh, 12 steps are good, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's like, I mean, that's even like worse than my parents telling me that my mom was an
1: alcoholic when I was seven. Your dad making a ninth step of mentee when you're four? Did you have siblings? I don't have siblings, but I remember it like clear as day. Like he got, I was on a park bench, sitting on the bench. He gets down on his knees, looks me in the eye and he's like crying He's like, your daddy's a drug addict, What I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And yeah, and it was like, that happened too many times to count mm-hmm. for the rest of my life that I just never, you know, I never believed it. Even I think his longest stretch was 15 years and then he passed away. So did he pass away sober? Yeah, he was sober when he passed away, but he passed away from probably complications of being a drug addict.
0: Uh-huh. Um, so let's talk about this cult.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm like, my parents were kind of normal. Like was <laughs> normal. <laughs> they just scarred me a little bit. Um, so, you know, what I feel about it is like my dad got sober. My mom did not. But when she was around, I was nine years old. So when she was about 30 years old, she suddenly decided she was going to stop doing drugs.
0: Was she doing it like out in the open, like up until that point in front of you or was it kind of hidden?
1: No, it was out in the open. She was a drug dealer. I remember waiting in the car while she went into like someone's house with a gun. Like It was crazy shit. Hold on.
0: You've trained them well that they knock.
1: I know. <laughs> what is it, honey? I mean, it wasn't real. I think it was real. <laughs> um. So... So when my mom, so my mom, yeah, she used for a long time and she was a waitress. So it was like cocaine was just in the industry and she was the dealer for whatever restaurant she worked at. Um, And she drank a lot and her, all of her boyfriends were like drug dealers. And I don't know what happened. Just one day she was like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I think she had a psychotic break. Mm-hmm. She didn't, she didn't do it with support. She didn't And my mom is a trauma survivor. Um, And I think it just threw her like it was her medication for all those years. So she locked herself in the bedroom. And um, in my little nine-year-old brain, she was in there for three months. But it it could have been two days. It could have been a week. I don't know. And she just started talking to spirits. And she started teaching herself how to channel. Have you ever heard of channeling? Mm -hmm. Okay. Of course, um, and she kind of came out one day, and she was like, "I've had a psychic opening, and I'm a channel." And she started going to like psychic school and hanging out with what was called the New Age movement back then. Mm-hmm. And um, she started the first one eight hundred psychic hotline. Not really. Where you like ask about your um. Who you're going to fall in love with, but like the kind you, you call if you're having cyclic phenomena and you're like kind of freaked out. So she became. What if you like
0: told that. us that your mom was Miss Cleo?
1: <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Something Miss like Cleo. that. Miss um, Cleo. So she got contacted by this woman who was um, young, married to an LA police officer, and she was having some, she thought the devil was talking to her. She was Christian, and the experiences she was having, that was what she thought. The devil's talking to me. And she contacted my mom, and my mom- How would she advertise? How would- she, I think she put ads out in, like, newspapers. Okay. And then it was, like, word of mouth. And my mom would, like, host channelings at her house, and there was a whole scene. Like, it was kind of a underground. We lived in Santa Barbara, L.A. area, so it was a whole, like, popular among the celebrities kind of stuff. Um. So, yeah, she- met this woman and taught her how to channel and that woman went on to create a spiritual movement aka cult um that is global with i don't know tens of thousands of followers i'm sure it's still going on yes mm-hmm. i'm gonna be careful not to name names because they have threatened me before so <laughs> on any of that so yeah shortly after that maybe i think i was 11 Everybody moved to Oregon. The lady bought a ranch in Southern Oregon on 180 acres. And my mom sold everything, took me out of school, um, and went to Oregon without my dad's permission or anything. And Mm. this is just
0: so people know it's, this is not the, uh,
1: wild, wild, what was it called? Wild, wild country cult. We're not Not talking about that just so you know. Yes. (laughs) No, no. Um, yeah, so we we kind of just followed them. She actually wasn't invited to go live with them. Um, she just followed in like, <laughs> on the doorstep, like, can I come with you? Um, so I lived there from yeah, about 11 until I was 21. Wow. And no school. I wasn't allowed to go to school. My mom had to sign over her parenting rights. So I guess this woman who was a leader was technically my foster parent, but I wasn't in the foster system. Um, In Hawaii, they call it like Hanai mom, like your faux mom or something.
0: And so what did you do like on a daily basis?
1: Well, I'm coming to realize that I was kind of a slave. Um, So I had to clean the house. I had to babysit the younger kids. Did you Um, live with your mom or no? No, I was shuffled around from different buildings. At one point, they made me live in the goat barn with the goats. Sometimes I got to live in like the big house, you know, like where she lived and all the fancy stuff was. Um, And then sometimes I'd be thrown into like a dormitory with other women. So just sometimes for a while I lived in a tent. In the tent, I actually lived with my mom. Um, So yeah, all kinds of different living situations. I never really knew like when somebody was gonna come in my room and be like, pack up all your shit. You're moving to this new place somewhere on the ranch. Like we had a ranch and then they had a retreat center about 20 minutes away. So it could of be shuffled between the two areas. You went to no schooling after that? No schooling. In Oregon, you just have to pass the test at the end of every year. So I would be taken to pass the test until ninth grade. And then you don't have to after ninth grade. Were you prepared to pass the test? I'm really smart, luckily. Uh (laughs) So I passed it, but not because anybody was teaching me anything. Um, I think they got me a math tutor, like for a couple months once when I was, you know, trying to learn algebra. And then what about, were there a bunch of other kids? There were some other kids. The leader had a, a son and I would babysit the son. And then the different followers would like bring their kids for the summer, you know? So sometimes there'd be kids, sometimes there weren't kids. Um, but it was mainly just me and this other kid.
0: And then how many people were living there in the whole, like, you know, year round?
1: Yeah, There's probably like 30 to 40 that lived. Okay, it was pretty round. small. And then we would have these retreats that would bring in like 300 people.
0: And how much interaction would you have with your mom?
1: Um, not a lot because my mom was traveling and doing her psychic work. So she would be gone a lot. And then when she was there, she was in charge of cooking all the meals for the retreat. So I'd I'd probably see her like every day that she was there, but it would kind of be like in passing, Um, you know, like a hug here or there. How are you doing, honey?
0: Did you ever ask her, "I, I don't want to be
1: here? Yes. I desperately wanted a real home, wanted to go to school, wanted a real family, but over the years, the leader of the cult started to turn me against my mom. You know, so it's like when we first moved there, my mom was my everything and I just wanted to be with her and I wanted to go everywhere she went. Then it was like, mom, I don't want to be here. I want to go to school. I want to have a home. Can we please leave? Can we please leave? And then it was, oh, my mom's a horrible person Mm -hmm. and I hate her and I want to be this woman's daughter. And I want to be like the perfect, like, child of God or whatever, um, until I got kicked out. And then it was like, have you ever watched the movie devil's playground? Mm-mm. So it's about the Amish. And when kids are like 16, they're just sent out into the world and they're told
0: mm-hmm.
1: do it all, do all the drugs, drink everything. But when you come back, come back. It was kind of like that. Like they kicked me out and then they invited me back and I had to make a decision. How long were you kicked out? At what age were you kicked out? 21. No, they, they kicked me out when I was, um, just at the end of my 16th year. So where I, did you go? They sent me to Hawaii. <laughs> they just like gave you a, they just got you a plane ticket. They bought me a plane ticket. They paid for my rent for six months. That's um, pretty nice. <laughs> nice man. It was sweet for six months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I ended up staying away for two years, but that's a whole nother story. Um, Like, (laughs) um, I can't, and then I I came back and coming back, I kind of had put, I put two and two together. I was like, Oh, Mm. this is not a good situation. I need to get my mom out of this situation. I need to get out of it. And, um, I found a therapist who did cult deprogramming and I went through that for about a year and I was able to like pull my mom out of it. You were. Mm -hmm.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so what was that process like for her?
1: Well, I mean, even after leaving, even till the day she died, she loves and honors this spirit as her spiritual teacher. Mm -hmm. So it was extremely painful for her. And she kind of separated the cult leader who she thought was abusive. And then the spiritual entity and so it was like a grieving process for her. Like she had to leave because she was abusive, but that was her God, the spirit. Mm. So she was in a lot of pain for all those years from when she left, to when she died.
0: And is that when her drinking really picked up was
1: when, once yeah. she left, you know, I don't know how bad the drinking was when she was in the cult, like everybody drank, they, that was kind of a part of the culture. They would do it though as ceremony right? Like uh-huh. they'd have these benders, but they were like in a meditation temple and it was all ordained or something. And then I think, yeah, her drinking, she would tell me that she drank because she couldn't sleep. So, you know, she wasn't the kind of alcoholic that was like out doing crazy stuff and go into the bar. She was like, do you remember two buck Chuck? They probably still have mm-hmm. that, right? I think I yeah, Trader Joe's, right? Yeah. So yeah. gross. She would buy like a case of that and drink a bottle a night so that she could mm. sleep and then she moved on to vodka um and then i found Alanon and kind of realized this was in 2012 so not that long ago i realized that my mom was an alcoholic and it's kind of ironic because i was mad at my dad the whole time mm-hmm. but looking back my dad was trying to get clean and my mom was the one who was suffering like inactive alcoholism. So when I found Al-Anon, um, you're probably not supposed to do this, but codependent relationship with my mom, I went to her and I'm like, mom, you're a fucking alcoholic. You have to stop. You can't keep doing this. Like you're destroying me or destroying you. And she stopped. So for three years, she was sober and then she just died. Like one night, like I went out to dinner with her. We had a great dinner. We hugged. We were laughing. She said she was the happiest she'd ever been in her life. And the next morning, she didn't show up for a phone call that I had with her. And my husband went to her house and found her dead in the bathroom. No explanation from the doctors, nothing. She just had a clean bill of health. So, I mean, I don't know how much emotional pain she was in, really. Mm. But she had three years where she was sober.
0: Was she working a program? No. No.
1: And I don't know if she actually was sober. That's the thing. Like, I cleaned out her apartment, so I probably would have found bottles. But there's part of me that's like, was she really sober? Like, can you really?
0: Yes, you can. You would have known. Um, But I'm surprised
1: that she was in a good place. She was really happy. She was really, really happy. And so the spiritual side, like, you can't take my spiritual upbringing out of me. It's just in me, but the spiritual side is like, she chose, like she chose to leave. She found her moment of peace. And also 10 days before I got pregnant, if my mom was alive with me having babies, like in some ways it would be awesome, but in so many ways it would have been horrible. And I, I kind of feel like it's the best gift she ever gave me was mm. to out right before I became a mom. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It's all a lot. So that was when? That was 2016, December, 2016. And then when did your dad pass away? The year before. Talk about abandonment. Oh God. Like a hundred percent. I mean, abandonment is the issue. And I just do it before anybody can do it to me. That's, that's my MO when my husband and I started dating. Like I've, I've had a lot of horrible dating stories, of course, like you. Um I don't and, know what you're talking about. <laughs> just a lot of winners along the road. And um, you know, when I met my husband and we fell in love and then he moved in with me, I immediately was like, Oh shit, what did I do? So I wrote him a dear John leather letter and I wrote him a check for like a couple months' rent. <laughs> so, <laughs> like get out and i went on on a trip um and i came home and he was like still sitting on the couch Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just like what what are you like i'm not i'm not gonna leave you like i know i know what i know what this is like i know what you're trying to do i'm not gonna leave and Mm -hmm. god like god bless him that's the only reason that i'm in a relationship because I found one person who, who won't leave me. I'm still convinced he's gonna leave me any day and that you know, he's running some kind of calling on me. I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> um so when
0: you do you feel like the 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 therapist that was doing like the cult deprogramming, I mean, when you look back on that, would you relate that
1: to ACA work at all? Yeah. I think there were some elements of that. You know, she really helped me understand, like, I just felt like an idiot because I came out of this cult situation. I hadn't been um, educated. So I would have conversations with people and they'd start talking about world events or historic events. And I just didn't, I had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't have social skills. I didn't know that people lied. And so I really was like this, uh, you know, adult child, um, And she helped me see that that was okay and expected based off of what I had gone through and that I actually at 21 had to learn how to live in the world because nobody had ever taught me. Um, So I think that's similar, you know, in ACA, it's really accepting our dysfunctional thinking because of the way that we're raised and working to have better patterns.
0: I think that we all have to grieve. Like we all missed out on a childhood to a certain extent, but like you really did.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really did. Like I didn't go to prom.
0: Yeah. Prom, any of that stuff, like playing sports, having sleepovers, having birthday
1: parties, somebody cooking for me. I mean, that's a big thing. So I have a lot of food issues because there's nobody like making sure that I ate food. There's nobody making sure I went to bed on time. Um, I don't even know how like my laundry got done. I probably just learned how to do laundry pretty young. Um, So just all those things, there wasn't anyone teaching me to do it. So it was just survival. And then along the way, I picked up habits of like, oh, this cookie makes me feel good and I don't feel good. Or um, I don't know how to actually like balance my checkbook and keep my life together yeah, it's been hard. And then having kids, I'm like, oh shit, when are the parents coming home? Like who's in charge around here? Yeah. How are you, how are you, who you are today? Like it's fucking remarkable. I don't know. I think I'm, I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that happened in my life where I should be dead. You know, so many like the drunk driving, the, I was always the person who drove the car you know, when all my friends are like completely fucked up. So that first of all, why am I even alive? Um, I moved to LA with $300 in my pocket, nowhere to live, no job. And I ended up working for an A-list actress. Like things just work, like they work out for me. What were you doing for her? Like personal assistant? Yeah. Um, so everything from like nail appointments to walking her dog, picking up. How did you get that? A friend of mine was dating her. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, yeah, he he said like, oh, if you if you live down here, I bet she'd give you a job. And I was like, I'm here. <laughs> give me that job. So, I mean, I think that's part, like, the gift of the upbringing is nobody ever taught me, like, I can't do things. Mm-hmm. Um, And my mom was always, my mom was the type of person who just, if she wanted something, she'd just go make it happen. She didn't there weren't any limits for her. So I think I, I picked up on a lot of that stuff. And I, I truly believe that like, if I want it, I can have it. And if I don't know how to do th- something, I can teach myself how to do it. Um, and I also made a really clear decision when I was about 12 years old, where like, I wouldn't say that I was thinking about suicide, I didn't like have a plan. But I had a moment where I was like, I don't want to live anymore. And I was kind of thinking, like, how I could just, could I just go to sleep and not wake up? Mm. And it was really going there. And then there was a part of me that was like, Wait, what what's gonna happen tomorrow? Like, Mm. what if something cool happens tomorrow? And I made this decision that was like, I'm gonna stay. I could leave anytime I wanted to. Um, and I'm gonna stay because Life is a gift and something cool might happen tomorrow.
0: I love that. I want that on a t-shirt. Something <laughs> cool might happen tomorrow. Right, right. I mean, like <laughs> cool stuff happens. I've had some cool things happen. I love that. That's such a good attitude. Something cool might, I'm hoping um, <laughs> something, sh- something shitty might happen too, though. <laughs> That's true. <too. laughs>
1: um, so give me a good shit show story okay oh what's my best shit show story fit though fit though um okay this is kind of a good one so I'm living in Hawaii you're 16 I'm 16 um I didn't realize it but I was kind (laughs) of (laughs) hot um I'm at a reggae concert and um you know like having a good time dancing with my friends and bouncer comes out and he's like we come backstage you know like, what he likes you know my boss wants you to come backstage and he points to hey the boss guy. on <laughs> the stage lead, the lead <laughs> singer i don't even know like what the band is it's probably some famous reggae person i don't know and i'm like okay i'll go backstage um and i go backstage and this guy is just like on me like he is he wants me he's flirting with me and he's gives me a plane ticket to Oahu, which is the island over, like, we're in um, he, he gives me the address of his hotel, and he's like, meet me there tonight. And I'm so innocent that I think he's going to put me up in my own hotel room. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll go to Oahu for free. Were you um, a virgin? I wasn't a virgin, but okay. pretty close. Uh-huh. Um. And I got on that plane. I went to that hotel room and I arrive and I like am in his hotel room and I realized that he's expecting me to sleep there and probably sleep with him. Um, I don't have any money. You know, I'm like not not rich or anything. And I just like. No, you're 16. Flipped, <laughs> 16. I, I flipped out and I like told him off. I'm like, I want my own hotel room. And what are you doing? I'm like, just a kid. And he's like, that's not how i just works part. <laughs> um, And I just walked out of there and like, I don't even know how I got back to the other island. But I, I probably called my friend who was a prostitute and she probably sent me some money. Nice. Situations like that.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. I want to know who it was. If you can know, all I'm remember. I I'm
1: curious too. Who was that? Huh. We could like, probably figure it out. I mean, it wasn't Red Man, but it was like, maybe it was Red Man. But somehow, like, maybe is opening for them. I don't know. I have no You're idea. Right that's saying. the thing. I was raised in a cult, so I don't, like, know these right. bands. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So what would you say has been the laundry list trait that's caused you the most pain?
1: Oh, I fear of abandonment. Yeah, 100%. I'll do anything to not be abandoned, including abandoning.
0: Others. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: but also just changing myself. And I think it's really only this year that I'm starting to figure out what I like. And it's still not 100% clear. And I've had to clean up a lot of my life because I've designed some things in my life around parts of me that aren't even true, that I don't even like. I've just spent the last year um, putting together an online course. I spent way too much money on it. And way too much time. I just blew it up today because I realized it's not me. Mm. It's this facade, like it's aspects of me, but it's still who I think other people want me to be. Mm. And I don't really know who I am. I know like little bits, like I know I love music and I love to dance. I love food. I love my family, but that's like kind of it. And it's so easy for me to chameleon and go, okay, what, what do you want me to be so that you'll love me and you'll accept me? And so how
0: does it, how did that feel or how does that feel to spend all that time and money on that, but really own and respect your true self?
1: Yeah. It feels like I dodged a oncoming train and like, finally, like finally I chose me and it didn't, doesn't matter how much money. I've wasted it. doesn't matter how many people are going to be upset. It's like, I'm finally choosing me over all the other things that I think mean survival.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But like, like I feel my brain changing. Like, actually I can't survive unless like me, me and myself are hooked up and like on the same track and buddies. Like, I don't want to live if I'm a shell of who I truly am.
0: I just feel like I self-sabotage and implode when I'm not living as my true self. Like I will get myself fired. Um, A lot of other people, I feel like they can, they can stay the course,
1: you know? Yeah. I find you extremely inspiring and like a really good role model. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Because you are, you're just being like, I don't ever feel when I'm in your presence, like I have to be anything other than myself Mm -hmm. because you're like so fucking real. Um, and I need a role, like I need a role model for that. Like, I don't even know what that, that looks like. It's kind of like, wait, it's okay. Like, it's okay to just be myself here. What's going on? Like what world am I in right now? And I can sniff
0: people out when they're not. And it's not like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Totally. But I wonder like, what if i become like fucking huge like is that gonna go away like i don't want to be you know what i mean like th- can people stay real because I'm, I'm trying to stay real
1: yeah i mean <laughs> that you have the foundation like it's so a part it's like a part of your brand like if you got unreal you'd be off brand it would be really that's awful cool.
0: i agree i don't even think i could do it if i tried let's be honest <laughs> it's so yeah. good i mean that's <laughs> how i don't know if it's great for my dating life but whatever <laughs> Um, <laughs> so does healing look like for you or what is a tool that you use when you start spinning out?
1: Um, healing for me looks like giving over control. So I'm still struggling with giving it to a higher power. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you too, is like, what is that like?
0: Like, what is, what does your relationship look like with a higher power given your past?
1: Yeah, it's been a real, a real challenge because I feel really mad at God. Mm-hmm. God, as I understood God for most of my life, mm-hmm. kind of was like, you, you fucked me over. You let me have all these horrible things happen. Um, no God would do that. And so Mm -hmm. I've gone through the phase of like, well, there must not be a God. And now I'm coming to this place of like, wait a minute, who said that God was going to protect us from all this stuff? Like, what if life is the spectrum of pain and beauty and bliss and suffering? And our higher power is this loving being who is there to remind us this world isn't real mm. so i cling on to that like saying like i'm a spiritual being having a human experience and so that's that's all i can connect to with the higher power right now is like that omnipresent universal love that's like i know life is life is hard and life sucks and it's beautiful and don't take it too seriously because there's so much more it's like the visual for me is like it's We're a drop in the universe and we're important. I'm not saying we're not important. This life isn't important, but it's so vast um, that really the only thing that's important is that divine love, that higher power. So I think that's been the switch for me is I had to stop thinking that it was God's job to save me because it's not in my opinion. So talk about your podcast.
0: Do you okay, want to? So, yeah,
1: sure. Totally. So um, I cannot be employed. I have not been employed since <laughs> I was, what was my last job? I mean, I have walked out on pretty much every job. Pro- probably that A-list actress was my last like J-O-B, but I was still a 1099. How long woman. did you work with for her? Um, Three years. Okay. Yeah. So, so I can't, I cannot have a job. So I've been an entrepreneur um, ever since I started making money, but really focused for the last 14 years. And um, I do believe that a lot like you, we can find a way to make money that is Mm purpose-driven. And we can, we all have gifts and we all have uh, talents and I love hearing those stories. So my podcast is called the vision led leadership podcast. And I in- interview visionary entrepreneurs who have a story of like waking up one day and being like, I'm gonna go start my own business. And there's so much to learn from them. Um, I always pick up so many, so many nuggets. And so it's mostly interviews. Sometimes I drop some wisdom that I've learned along the path of entrepreneurship, and I'm really excited to interview you. Yeah, I can't wait. Your story.
0: Yes. Um. So, is it called that? Is it called
1: Visionary Leaders? It's called Vision Led Leadership Podcast.
0: Vision Led Leader. Okay, but
1: that's what your that's what your name
0: said, right? Visionary Leaders. Visionary
1: Leaders. Yeah. When well, aaron
0: showed up in Patreon in the Patreon group for the first time, that's what that's what it said her name was. So. That's forever what she's known as. Yeah,
1: Visionary. I love it. It's perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But like there definitely are like some parents out there now that would like totally
1: name their kid Visionary. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're like, uh, oh, that's my kid's name. <laughs> oh, no. I went for the old fashioned names, but I almost ended up with a name like that from my hippie parents. I bet you did. <laughs> so what are um three things that you like about yourself? Okay, I love my tenacity. Like if I need to learn something, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to figure it out. Um, I love, I love how much I love, uh, even though it's really hard to love me and be in a relationship with me. Like if I love you, um, it's deep and it's forever and it's super loyal. And I, I love the type of mom I am. I love what I'm doing to Break the generational curses.
0: Mm. Okay. and so what's a what's a vision, Miss Visionary leaders that you have a vision, a hope, a dream that you have for your future?
1: I want to dance. I want to find ways to be in joy and listen to music and dance and be my full authentic self mm. and not care what anybody thinks. I want to find joy. I want to live the second half of my life with as much joy as I possibly can.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. Well, thank you. You are truly a miracle.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always... Sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups. And it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com/slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at Adult Child Pod and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye.
1: slow now Don't let it all go